Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good evening, America. Today is June the 23rd, 2013, and this is yours truly, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and you're tuned in to Conversations with the Same. I want to say hello to everybody, and I'm in Houston, Texas tonight, and just to put it mildly, damn, it is hot. It is so hot down here that when I walked through the store, I thought I saw the devil looking at some ceiling fans. It was really hot today. Um, I want to talk to you guys about a subject that has just been catching the attention of most Americans, and it has something to do with being single, trying to find real love, and why can't we? I mean, what is going on that we just, for for whatever purposes, we cannot seem to find a mate? Well, typically, when we talk about a subject like this, it's about men. Tonight, that will not be the case. Women are now more independent than they've ever been. They're earning more in the job market. They're owning homes. They're doing things that once only they, that they needed or at least it assumed by many that men needed to assist them in doing this. However, the one thing that's happening is that as these situations take place and culture moves forward, it seems that we're taking two steps forward and three steps back. And here's what I mean by that. We are coming for the first time in history where now it is the successful woman who is making more than men. As a matter of fact, uh, some surveys have suggested that women under 30 are definitely out earning their male counterparts. So what does that really mean? Well, here's what it means, people. It means that there is a huge imbalance in available men and available women. And here's what I mean by that. There are a lot of single guys out there. However, some of them can't quite move beyond the confines of that cell, or they are gay, so they're not really even interested in a woman, or they're not what some women would consider to be eligible men. And and let's describe eligible because that means something different for everyone. For some women, an eligible man is a man that has a college degree, a man that wears a white collar, a man that has an income at least comparable to hers or preferably even a little bit higher. How many of those guys really exist? Well, unfortunately, it's starting to pan out that during the baby boom years, we had more girls than boys, and we sent more of our daughters to college, and they completed the process. So, hey, fellas, what looks good for a lot of men is that there are a lot of beautiful, eligible women out there. The issue is these eligible women don't want your butt. So what we're going to be talking about tonight is what are the consequences that uh, that are, uh, I guess, peripheral to this discussion. Is it true that now women, especially successful single women, are putting their careers before love? Well, I think there may be some truth to that because all I need to do is look at some of my female friends and I definitely can see that there's a reality. But there's another thing I've noticed. My very successful, gorgeous, amazing homegirls, they remain kissless on New Year's Eve and on Valentine's Day, and they don't have anyone sporting them at the 4th of July picnic. And the only dateable men that they seem to encounter, from what they tell me, are either otherwise involved or in complicated situations, or like I said, they would rather be with a dude. So could it be? that successful single women as well as men are coming to the realization that we are unwittingly playing a game of romantic musical chairs. While everyone else is pairing up, 
And everybody has, I guess, and, and I'm included in this possibly, we've been so focused on our careers now. We've got the career happening. We've got the house. We've got the car. We even went and bought a doggone dog. But the problem is we don't have anyone to share this with. So what I want to do is uh, turn to my producer really quick and see if she can help me with some answers to this. Julia, who are our guests tonight? We have two amazing guests with very different perspectives on the issue to weigh in. We have, we have Jane Mattis, who's a New York City-based psychotherapist and a single mother by choice. She founded the organization Single Mothers by Choice in 1981 after having her son, Eric. She's written a book by the same name, and her organization has grown to chapters all around the U.S. and also Canada and Europe. Our next guest is Alexis Jones. She's the co-author and publisher of the book Super Singles Activate, which is a compilation of testimonies to inspire and uplift the single woman. As a public relations professional, she's worked with the likes of Beyonce Knowles and Destiny Child's management company, but she is no longer singing the single ladies tune because Miss Alexis is engaged to be married. So these are our guests today. Hey, thanks, Judy. I'll tell you what. I would like to, if you don't mind, go ahead and um, tell Jane to mic up because I want to uh, bring her in and just get the conversation started. Jane, are you Brett? there? Yes, hi. How are you? How, how's it going? It's going well. Hot here, too. Oh, I'm fine. Got to ask you a question. Um, I know when Julia says people have opposite or uh, contradicting perspectives on a subject, that's a good uh, way of telling me, hang on, you can't wait to hear this, so tell me your side of this story. Well, actually, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think that it's hard for a lot of us women to concentrate on two things equally at the same time. And for a lot of women, they were concentrating on their career to the extent that they may have waited a little too long um, and they were running out of time to have a baby. And because of the fact that they have a well-paying career, they realized that they didn't have to marry anybody that they didn't really love, but that they could actually have a nice life and possibly a child on their own. Do you think that it, it's possible, and, and just be really candid with me on this, I've actually heard women say that, you know what, I really don't need a man, and I you know, I can adopt a baby or I can uh, just go ahead and put my eggs in the refrigerator and thaw mm -hmm. them out when I'm ready to scramble them, or I, uh, you know, why do I need a guy? I've got the car, I've got the house, I've got the job I want. Uh, all he's going to do is just come in and disrupt my plan. Do you think that when some women are single because they have inadvertently created a self-fulfilling prophecy? Well, that certainly could be true of some women. Um, you could ask the opposite question, does a man feel he needs a woman or does he want a woman? You know, if if you want a man and you're very motivated and it's more important to you than anything else, chances are that you will find yourself in a relationship with a man who wants one too, but if your well, priority let me ask you a question, yeah. and I don't mean to interrupt you, Jane, but I just want to ask you this: mm -hmm. Both of us are in a profession where people come to us hoping to either restore their life, clean up the mess that disrupted mm -hmm. their life, mm -hmm. or they're trying to keep their life from getting uh, flying south for the winter. Right. Would you say that the people that are coming into your office are more concerned about trying to find real love? or just learning to exist without it? Well, you know, it really depends a lot on their experiences in life. There are women who have tried and tried and tried to find love and finally said, okay, enough, I just have to make a, a really nice life with what I have right now. And other women are, number one priority is to find love, and they usually do. Do you think that it's because of some of these uh, assumptions that we make that we bump up against this inequality of trying to meet someone at the office, uh, the company picnic, or 
thinking friends or family are going to introduce us to this guy or quite possibly there's going to be like, I guess, in fantasy land, we just happen to both uh, bump our buggies into one another in the grocery store parking lot. Is that just a um, an illusion or a fantasy we're living or is it that we're trying to go fishing but we don't have the right bait? <laughs> um, well, I think if you want to find a relationship, you can do it in all those ways. Plus, don't forget online dating, which is pretty successful for those who really work hard at it. But it's a real challenge, as you said in the very beginning, to find somebody who is appropriate, suitable, and good for you. Okay, I understand that you're a single parent. Yeah. And in doing so, does having a child impact the ability for a single successful woman to actually get out there and date? Well, in some ways it helps because the pressure to find that person before your fertility runs out is off. If you have the child, you can actually relax and try to get to know men without that loud ticking behind your ear. And I think a lot of women experience that they finally can actually enjoy dating, enjoy getting to know men, no pressure. And that is a big relief for the women who've put a lot of time into their career and may have gotten started looking for the real relationship a little on the late side. Now, and when you say on the late side, uh, speaking of the late side, what is the late side? Because what I'm finding is that the correlation between what was late in 1960 mm. versus is late in 1980 versus what is late in 2000, and now that it's 2013, that definition has changed. Late now for a single woman is probably 45 years old. Is that something that you're, you're able to pinpoint and say that uh, this is more of an issue for the 45-year-old woman than the 30-year-old woman? Well, actually, fertility starts to decline around 35, and that's, women are more aware of that than they ever were. And some women even start worrying at 30, like, should I freeze my eggs? What should I do, you know? I don't want to lose this window. So it, it's really somewhat individual as to when the woman feels it's getting late. But there are women who start to worry about it, I would say 32, 35, and up. So, that you know, what? it varies. What have you seen that's been the train wreck associated with this, where someone is making some really, pardon my French, but I'm a country boy, Jane, some dumbass decision to rush their life into mm -hmm. a head-on train wreck because they yeah. feel that some illusionary or biological clock is ticking? What have you seen and what would you advise against women doing that are panicking, thinking that if I don't rush and do this today, I won't have it tomorrow? Well, it may or may not be as bad as rushing into a marriage with the wrong person, which so many people tell me they have done. You know, I had, especially women in the next generation older than mine, when I had my son in 1980, they told me, you know, I wish I had been able to do what you did. But instead I got married and then divorced. What do you mean by what you did? What did you do? I went ahead with a pregnancy, even though I knew the father was not going to be involved. He, you know, he. When I told him about my pregnancy, he said, "Good luck to you. You'll be a wonderful mother," and bowed out politely. And I had to decide if I was going to do this on my own or not at all. So I didn't feel that I had the bad end of the deal there, frankly. And I'm really happy that I made the choice that I did. And having my son has been extremely rewarding and wonderful, and he's turned out wonderfully, so everybody is happy all around. But I do think there's a lot more people who rush into a bad marriage because of social pressure and personal pressure, and that that can be a real disaster, especially if they have kids in a bad marriage. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, One thing that I advise couples to do is, number one, it's kind of like going to a car lot, and I don't want to go and cheapen somebody's life and make it and downsize it to that of a used vehicle. But many of us are using uh, living secondhand lives, and what we want to do is go and put lipstick on a pig and call it a, and call it a lady. 
Right. Meaning that if you get into a situation with someone where you are rushing yourself, I'm not talking about someone else pressuring you. I'm talking about internal uh, pressure from you. Your conscience is telling you, I, I'm getting older. My clock is ticking. I need to jump into a relationship. What I'm going to tell you, if that's how you feel, you might want to jump into some therapy. Anyway, we'll be right back with Jane. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. You can call us up in this next segment at 646-478-5610. That's 646-478-5610. We'll be right back in about 45 seconds. Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. Devon Young. Uh, my next guest uh, is uh, going to join us, and prior to doing that, I just want to put this out there. Women are increasingly finding two options when it comes to romance, and it seems like they're marrying either down or they don't marry at all. Is this a sign that there may need to be a cognitive behavioral change? And if that is the truth, I want to talk to women and look at the women that are obsessed with finding a man on their level. Is it that they want someone as ambitious as them or as engaged or as high-achieving as they are, or is this the time that women really need to rethink and seek a partner who is more supportive rather than competitive? Joining me is Alexis Jones, and I definitely cannot wait to bring her in because there are two things that this sister is talking from. One, she got him to put a ring on it, and two, <laughs> she definitely lived that experience. Alexis, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be on. Congratulations, girl. I, um, <laughs> he put a ring on it, huh? He put a ring on it, and honestly, Dr. Young, I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think my opportunity would happen. I'm part of that 30 and under range, and I want to be honest about something that in terms of me developing a professional career, it was kind of my scapegoat because I was not finding love. So I started focusing on how I could be successful, you know, in my work life because that's something that I could make happen. That was something that I could control on my own. Um, so I'm really excited that we're talking about this tonight because I'm able to share my story or my testimony, per se, on how my love actually came about. Yeah, I definitely want to get that. So, sisters, if you're listening, I'm just going to give this number out again. It's 646-478-5610, and get your pen and paper out because girlfriend got what she wanted. And, and I noticed something that you said that always strikes me. I tell people the minute that you quit looking for something, that's oh, typical when God will help you to find it. Do you think yes. that was, that is true in your case? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that out. Um, I actually wrote a book called Super Singles Activate, Testimonies to Inspire and Uplift a Single Woman. And it's a compilation of 40 uh, testimonies from women aged 18 all the way to 60 years old. And 18 is kind of young on, on, you know, on trying to find love. But we did go, you know, that young all the way to 60. And you have to be in five categories to be a part of this book. And you have to be widowed, divorced, purely single at the time, coupled or engaged. And so we were able to get all those perspectives from women, you know, who were single. And it is a faith-based compilation. And my story, um, and I'm the second chapter, it was called The Waiting Room. Because going back to what I said before, as a professional working woman, that was my state goat. I could control, you know, being successful in what I knew how to be, which was a publicist, and now I'm an associate producer in TV. And so I kept going up and up the ladder, but I had nobody to support me or to go up the ladder with. So like you said, during, you know, Valentine's and during Christmas, you know, and, I, you know, I had nobody to spend time with, and then I had some of my girlfriends that were getting married, and I was always a bridesmaid. And I was like, God, you know, when is it going to be, you know, my turn? And I finally got to a point that I was like, you know what, after having so many broken hearts and not being healed from past relationships, that I decided that I was just going to give it to God, 
let it go, not go look for a man, because the word of God says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing, not she that finds a husband. So I decided to let you stop trying to make the shoe fit, you know, for Cinderella. You need to let God do that. And so the moment, I promise Dr. Young, the moment that I made that decision and in a conversation um, in a salon with a girlfriend, she ended up, you know, passing on a gentleman's, uh, well, passing my information on to a gentleman, um, I was still kind of like, ah, yeah, I'm not really interested because, you know, right now I'm focused on my career and I'm focused on building my relationship with God. I'm really not looking for a man right now. And uh, once I let go, then he came, you know, and I'm big on teaching women how to position themselves. When you think about Ruth and Boaz, Ruth was in the field. She was being about her father's business. She was reaping. She was working. And as she was working, that whole time Boaz was looking at her, and he already knew in his mind that is my wife, and he found her. And so that's the message that I like to share with women. Let me, let me say this, and, and I have my little spin on the Ruth and Boaz story. I yes. think that King was walking by, and, you know, if you're kind of like on your knees kind of squatted or bent over, I think he was looking at that sister's curves and was like, hey, this ain't looking too bad. Why don't y'all, never mind, I'll tell that story later. But here's my question, and I have to ask you this. Do you think that there are instances where women sent out almost like a pheromone that works in reverse, where it's saying, I'm not approachable, um, you know, and and don't even try it, bro, because I'm going to uh, just give a comment. I was talking to, I'm in a fraternity, and I'm also in a men's, or a select, very select, exclusive men's organization. And I, I brought this subject up. I said, I'm doing this show this weekend, fellas, and it's about women that are really successful. Now, here's the irony of this. I'm talking to a bunch of men that all make six figures or more a year. All of us make more than six figures a year, and we're, and we're having this conversation. And I say, well, do you think that women now have just kind of positioned themselves either with intent or inadvertently to make themselves, quote, unquote, undateable? So the response I got, and it's, and it's like they said, dude, here's the way I see it. Uh, they may say they're looking for love, and they're not able to find it, but the reason is because they're just high maintenance or too choosy. And I'm thinking, well, you know, is there any truth in that? Because I know that I bust my butt. I work 50 hours a week, maybe even more, and I do prefer going to uh, Neiman Marcus' last call and Nordstrom's rack, and if they got a sale, I'll go to the regular store. So if you smell me, Look at me or see me. I'm gonna look like I'm not gonna look like a buster. So I don't see anything wrong with women uh, wanting to put their best foot forward. I think this may be a bit of a sexist thing, but since I'm talking to a woman that's your nickname is Fly Jones, so help <laughs> me your side of this. Do you think women are just sending out this signal that you know what I'm unapproachable? Absolutely, and I hate to say it, some women listening may not like what I'm about to say, but I absolutely do agree with you, Dr. Young, that we do send off a signal, and that signal is kind of like, it comes off as an attitude, I don't want to be approached, or at least I don't want you to approach me. So as soon as a guy comes up to us, you know, if we're out and about, um, and in, in our minds, you know, they, they may be too short or they may be too light or too dark or whatever our preferences are in our mind, you know, we don't even give them a chance to open their mouth to say anything to us. We just automatically paint a picture in our head or tell ourselves, oh, we don't, I don't want to talk to him. He's not what I want. And we haven't even given that gentleman an opportunity. For instance, even, I'm just going to go ahead and admit this, even with my husband, well, soon-to-be husband, you know, he wasn't exactly my type. Like, if he was walking down the street, I probably wouldn't have chosen him. You know what I'm saying? Hang on. I'm out, Alexis. (laughs) Hang on. I got it. I hope I don't start no mess at y'all's house tonight. Um, What do you mean the brother wasn't your type? Because this is probably going to help a lot of women out that are, quote-unquote, being approached by a man that, underscore dash, quote, unquote, put in bold and italicized is not their type. What was not your type? Dr. Young, I had what you call a checklist, which a lot of women I'm sure have a checklist. And there are these high standards that I later realized are unattainable when you have to, he has to look like this, he has to be this high, he has to have this kind of job, you know. And so when I say that about uh, my fiancé, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm looking for a Tyrese-looking kind of guy, you know. I like him to be, you know, at least, you know, maybe 
you know, 5'10", you know, have, you know, the white-collar job. You know, I just have these rules set in my mind because, you know, either he had to be on the same level as, you know, my father um, or he, you know, there was just a certain thing that I was looking for and that I was praying for, you know, and God had something totally opposite for me planned. And my husband is, you know, he's 6'4", I'm 5'1", so he's like way taller than me. He's light-skinned. He ended up being a minister, never thought that I would marry him. And he's actually a pastor, that I would marry a pastor. I mean, it was totally opposite for what Alexis was looking for, but God had something different for me. And so when he was introduced to me, I decided to open my heart at that time and give an opportunity for this man to talk to me, for me to get to know him, for him to get to know me. And had I not allowed my mind to open, you know, and and, and look at something in somebody different from what I thought I wanted, then I would have missed out on what God had for me, which was an awesome man. Wow. Another construct that I present to women when I speak to women's groups about dating and becoming available or positioning yourself for the right man to find you, and that is don't allow someone to say that you're too intimidating because a real man, a guy like me, is going to step to you. He's not going to be intimidated. If anything, he's going to look at you and see as you being a suitable mate because uh, just to give a small example and put it in my world, I have an overhead, and I have to pay employees, and I have to pay office rent, and I have to take care of a house note, and I have to take care of kids. If something happens to me, I want to know that I have someone that is able to keep things going because, to be quite frank, I'm not off into government cheese or the uh, uh, social uh, services telling me what I can and cannot afford that month. So I need to have a partner that's bringing something to the table. Do you think that maybe – that little silly mindset that I have in the female form is also a mindset that is prohibiting someone from actually, uh, let's say, marrying not up but marrying down. Is it okay to marry down? Is it okay to marry down? Um, I think it's fair to marry somebody that you know is going to fit what your needs are. Um, I I never believe that you should – because I did that a long time ago. I settled for guys in the past that I knew that I had no business being with that couldn't contribute what I could contribute to them because what ends up happening is that you begin to be the giver in the relationship to the point that you give so much that you give yourself and you're not getting what you, you know, your needs are not being fulfilled. And in any relationship, I believe that both parties need, need to be fulfilled. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to work. It's going to lead to frustration. Um, so I think it is fair for uh, you, Dr. Young, to want to have a woman um, that is able to bring as much to the table um, as you can. However, I do believe that she needs to know that she's secure in you in terms of you being the provider or her being able to know that if she loses her job, you're going to be able to take care of her. Um, I never believe that a woman is the one that should hold down the household. I do believe that the man should hold down the household. Um so, you know, if you're making more money than her, that's okay. Um, if she's making a little bit more money than you, that's okay. I don't think that should be an issue as long as you guys can take care of each other and your family. Um, I, I don't think, you know, there should be an issue whatsoever. But in terms of marrying down, I mean, to me, it, 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 it's based on, you know, that person's decision. But just be careful with that because I think you guys should always be on the same level or one person doesn't feel like they're giving all and it's not an equal situation there. That makes any sense. That definitely makes sense. Uh, Jane, Alexis, we're going to take about a 45-second break. America, if you want to call in and ask a question, uh, during this next segment, we will entertain some of your text messages, your emails, and your calls. So you can hit us up at 646-478-5610 or just use Facebook, log into the chat room, and we're going to talk to you. We'll be right back. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. We'll be back in 45 seconds.
This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Today, we are talking about a subject titled, You're Not the Boss of Me, Successful and Single. Is there such a thing as we are fulfilling our own, I guess, empty prophecies for hope and love and all the things that come with that. Well, I have two very special guests with me today, Jane and Alexis. Uh, in this segment, I'd like for either of you to comment on this, but there is a statement that is going around about uh, people just getting to a point where being so high-maintenance and, and uh, successful women being intimidating to men in general is causing this breakdown. Now, here some of the things that uh, men are defining as high maintenance. The first one is that they are high maintenance because they are always thinking of themselves. So that leads me to the thought of your blessing can likewise be your curse. And what I mean by that is, is the fact that you are able to plan out your life to actually set goals and achieve them and to say that, okay, at 24 I'll be here and it. 30, I'll be here, and at 35, I'll be here, is the very tenacity and fortitude and focus and single-mindedness that help you to get that done, is that the same thing that's screwing you up from meeting the love of your life? And I'll say, uh, why don't you go ahead and give me your take on that, Jane, and then, Alexis, I'd like for you to comment. Well, to me, high maintenance and being selfish, which I think is what you're describing, maybe are similar. I'm not sure that it's not also sometimes the other way around. A man can be high maintenance too. But, um, you know, if somebody can't be giving and concerned about the other person, then it is very difficult for them to have a relationship that is satisfying. What's your take on that, Alexis? Um, In terms of being high maintenance, I believe, you know, it's good to plan your goals, you know, you know, your have your goals for the future and what you want um, at the end. And I hate to go Bible on you guys, but I'm a minister's wife, but, you know, the word talks about that, you know, God plans, you know, your life and, your, and, and, and what he has for you. Because you know, a lot of times we like, okay, God, I'm going to do this in 10 years, I'm going to have this in 15, whatever, whatever. But it goes back to, me, to what I said earlier, having an open mind um, about things and things changing. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we set our standards way too high that are just unattainable. And so let, you have to be willing to compromise some things and so that you could, um, you know, come back down to earth a little bit um, and not miss out on a huge blessing that may be in store for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I can agree with that. Here's another thing that was stated during this uh, conversation where every woman in America would have loved to be a fly on the wall. There was one brother made the comment. He said, you know, they are always assuming that they're going to get their way all the time because they're uh, the boss at work, but she's not going to be the boss of me. Do you think that there is possibly um, a little bit of you are bringing your title, you're bringing the fact that you're VP, that you're the, the director, the department manager, the department head, so when you come home you don't know how to cut that off? Uh, Alexis, do you think women actually oh. do that? And if so, have give me an example if you've ever seen it. Oh, yeah. I've even seen it in my own life, in my relationship now. One thing I do believe in that I have learned, you are the boss at your work. If you're a VP or whatever, I actually used to be a vice president of a PR firm here in Houston. Um, but when you come home, you are a wife, you are a mother, you are a rib. You are support to your husband. He's the head of your household when you come home. Not saying that he runs you, that he's your boss that he tells you what to do, but at the same time, here's this word that a lot of women don't like to hear, you're responsible for submitting under his authority when you're at home. Um, and that just goes back, you know, when you think of your father, God, you submit to him. He's your head. He's your authority. And so you're supposed to look at your husband in the same way, in the same light. So I'm a strong believer um, that we need to get rid of that idea of coming home, um, and I'm still the boss at home. I'm going to tell my husband what to do because at the end of the day, you don't allow him to feel like the man that he is, okay? And so women have to stop wearing the pants as well, you know? Now, unless you don't have a husband or whatever, you know, that, or, you know, that, I mean, that's a different type of situation if you're a single mother. But, yeah, we have to change our attitudes 
in regards to coming home and trying to wear the pants at work and trying to wear the pants at at, at home. You need to change that position up there. <laughs> okay, Jane, I want your opinion, but we have a caller right quick. We're going to come right back to Jane. Caller, are you there? Hello? Hello? Yes, Hi, I call. Are you there? I'm here. And what's your name? My name is Aaron. Aaron? Yes. Hi, Aaron. How are you doing tonight? Welcome to the show. What's your comment or your question? Um, well, I have a comment, actually. I have an um, organization of single women, basically. It started off as just a social group on meetup.com, and it's called mm-hmm. Independent Women. Uh, and it started off really just as a forum for uh, single women to get together, have fun outside of kind of dating, just because I think so many women are exhausted from dating and, you know, feeling like they're they're failing or they're not getting what they want, so they want some female companionship. Um, and what I've learned from all of our conversations and so many of the ladies, a lot of them are coming out of divorces. Um, many of them are professionals, and they just can't seem to find anybody. And the overall comment seems to be, Either what you were saying, men find them intimidating or they feel like they have to kind of dumb it down to get somebody or keep somebody. Um, They have standards. They have all these high expectations. That's the life that they live. They worked hard for everything they have. So why can't they have somebody that complements that? And I don't think it's having high standards or being kind of snotty or arrogant. It's just I just want to find my equal. And so far it just seems like that seems to be their biggest issue is just I don't want to dumb it down but, you know, I don't want to be single forever either. Let me ask you something. Do you think, Aaron, that there is a a, a real conflict or uh, some cognitive dissonance is another way to put this? And what I mean by that is that on one level, you really want to move forward in one direction, but because of beliefs or because of fears or because of contradictions and values, and I'm not talking about external stuff. I'm talking about internal stuff. Like an example of this would be I really do want to have a man in my life, and I and I want to move forward in a relationship, but if he's not going to, if he doesn't uh, dance to my music or, uh, you know, he can't move in my house or I'm not going to move out of this house and move in his house, do you think there are a lot of little silly issues that prohibit people from actually getting what they deserve and what they want? I think for some people that can be an issue. I, I think what I I tend to hear a lot of is just, um, I guess, games. Like, I know what I want. I know what I'm looking for. I want a serious, committed relationship. And one minute we're together, the next minute he's not sure or, you know, he won't call me the girlfriend, that kind of thing. And they just get tired of, of games. They want certainty and they want somebody that they feel like is mature enough to say what they want, mean what they say, and just, you know, be as truthful and forthcoming as that woman is being. And that seems to be what they're having a problem with, and that's when they just get tired, frustrated, and just say, you know what, I'm just my work with this person, and they move on to the next one, and it, it just seems to be a reoccurring thing. Now, the common denominator is the woman, so I don't know, you know, based on everybody's individual personalities, what maybe they're they're doing to make this so challenging, but... At the same time, it's everybody's different, but that seems to be the overall kind of feeling that they have is just I can't seem to find somebody who's going to be serious and who has the same kind of, you know, feelings that I do, and it's frustrating. Man, what do you think about that, Jane? One moment. Let me get her back on. Oh, okay, sorry about that. While we're waiting on a Jane to come back on, uh, one thing that Aaron said that is really just – uh, resonating with me is sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And I'm saying that to my sisters that are listening across America right now. I'm not going to tell you to lower your expectations, but I am going to tell you you might want to be a little bit more permeable. The guy that you really want, he may really want you, but he doesn't want to deal with this stuff that um, – that I guess can be put at the table because what happens with us is we want to protect ourselves from what happened last time. And we work so hard to get that degree and buy that house and get that car and get our credit score up. So by the time we've done all of that, we are extending a white flag while we have a switchblade in the other hand. What would you have to say about that, Jane? Yeah, I think that is one of the 
the issues that comes up when women are waiting very late, you know, if they're really not ready to find somebody early on and then they're looking a little bit later in life, I think it the pressure on them internally, pressure, no, nobody else's pressure, is pretty intense and it gets into a whole situation of, I have to make this work. He has to be the perfect person. I have to be the perfect person. It can get very complicated. And I think everybody has to understand that they have a personality that they bring to the table. And you have to find somebody who is happy with who you are, and you have to be willing to be happy with the other person and not expect them to be, um, you know, just made to order for you. There's a lot of compromise in a relationship. Okay, I want to, I'm want i going to say this, and, and I would like to hear all three of your opinions because you're coming from such different places that hopefully we will speak to someone's concerns out there. There is this new mindset of dating, and I think, or I'm not even going to say I think, I know for a fact that it impedes the ability to be fully available when the potential for Mr. Right does come along. That situation I'm referring to is friends with benefits. Do you think that there is a situation afoot where lots of successful single women are missing out on a really decent guy because they've given up on finding uh, suitable mates, so now they're keeping these, what I call these booty call guys, the, the guy that comes and you know, you have a child, so you're not going to have your kid around him. You've got more sense to do that than to do that. But after your child is asleep around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, all of a sudden here comes someone through your garage or through your front door, and they're out your house uh, before that child and you have to get up or before you really go back to sleep at 2 in the morning. Do you think those friends with benefit situation are impeding the ability for successful women, uh, single women to really find a meaningful and serious relationship. And I'd like to start that with, uh, I, I would like for Erin to answer that question first since you have this group of single women that are living exactly what I'm talking about or exposed to it at least. Right. No, I, I think that definitely does. Um, it lessens the value that, that men have for women. It lessens the um, I think expectations that women have for men, and it just becomes, you know, get the basic needs met, and then, you know, that's it. You never, you never really are able to have any kind of emotional attachment. And essentially, with a lot of women, they've they've gone back and forth, but they've tried to, in a way, just kind of quote unquote, you know, live like a man and just leave the emotion out of it and get what you need. And what they end up, you know, finding out is. No, you're you're not a man. You you will get attached. You will are you know you are emotionally involved, and then it gets into well, what are we doing now? And are we you know trying to be more than just friends? And it gets complicated, and you know then it goes all back to you know men are this and men are that, and I can't find a good man. But I mean, you have to have standards and you have to set boundaries. And if you're ever wanting to be anything more than like you said, friends with benefits, you know you have to get to know that person and. You know, he's never going to respect you, and you're not going to ever respect yourself enough to find the right man if that's what you're looking for. So I totally agree with you. And Alexis, uh, since you got him to put a ring on it, did you find that that situation in any way uh, was something that you got a taste of prior to getting your spiritual foundation uh, grounded and? really just kind of focusing on your career. Did you ever just get to a place where uh, if I, since I can't find Mr. Wright, I will find Mr. Wright now? Oh, but did I. Man, uh, Aaron hit it on the target. And in my book, Super Singles Activate, on Chapter 2, The Waiting Room, I talk about that. I talk about my experience where I got to the point that I got so pretty much didn't believe that I would be able to find anybody that, yeah, I, I began to have friends with benefits. And then... Like Aaron was saying, you begin to um, not value yourself. Um, men don't, you know, value you or look at look at you the same, you know, as as a, a, a woman that's worthy of having such a good man, um, because you know you're sleeping with all these other men, you know, just so that you could have that 
temporary feeling of love. And so I tell women, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it to yourself because you will, I don't care what you say, if you think there's no strings attached, you will get emotionally attached in some way. Um, I also believe on the spiritual end, once you sleep with one man or however many men, you know, you, you, you made a covenant with every man that you have slept with, okay? So they become your husbands in the spirit. And so you drag all of that pain, all that emotion from uh, and heartache from that prior relationship that didn't work into your new relationship. And, you know, I really, going into um, my marriage now, I really had to, I mean, for the two years that we were together, I really had to ask God to really heal me from things in the past because I was so nervous, so scared that I was going to experience things with him, that I experienced things, you know, with, with other men. And so I was so cautious, you know, I wouldn't give him an opportunity to, to do things or say certain things. I tried to control things a lot. And so God really had to work with me um, internally to heal me from those things. And so in the book, I talk about um, women being healed before they decide to really um, make a decision to get married because we do those things. We give up our bodies just so that we can feel love, and it's just not worth doing that. Noel, with that said, we will be right back in 45 seconds. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. If you want to call in and get a question or a comment, you can hit us at 646-478-5610. Again, 646-478-5610, and we'll be right back in about 45 seconds. I mean, there are people 
that they are just out for the hustle. If you weren't driving what you were driving, if you weren't dressed the way you were dressed and you didn't pull out a card that got an approval code for four figures, that person would not be interested in you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there may be uh, some evidence, uh, Jane, that now women are just doing the same crap men used to do? (laughs) Yeah, I think there are people who are confused of both sexes, let's put it that way. (laughs) I think it really is a sign of immaturity and insecurity that people have to be shown caring via money. And what do you mean by that when you say shown caring via money? If he cares about me, he'll pay for everything. If she really cares for me, then she'll pay for everything, either way. And the men, I don't understand, you know, if a man is making five times what a woman is making or three times, then fine, let the man pay more. But the woman, usually if she's a reasonably mature person, wants to feel that she contributes to the relationship and the happiness of the guy, too. Well, in my hood, that's called pimping. Uh, And I don't (laughs) think anyone wants to get pimped. You know, I I know for a fact, I don't want to get pimped, nor do I want somebody to treat me like a $5 hoe. There's a a need for me to at least have some balance Mm -hmm. when I date someone, or there's also a need for me to feel secure and to know for a fact that if I do something with you, to you, or for you, that you're not taking it for granted. And that, and I want to ask Erin this because I think she can really make a, uh, a, a serious comment about this right now. The women that you're, what you're hearing in the grapevine, what is the number one pet peeve that successful women are complaining about when it comes to finding a decent guy? Um, I think number one would be feeling like he's, not on your level, not in terms of education or anything, but I mean like um, just your interests, not having a lot of things in, in common, no commonality or feeling like you're doing most of the giving, he's doing most of the taking, just, you know, never seeming like y'all on the same level. Mm-hmm. And what are they saying that they're giving? Oh, good. Um, time, more of the I call you, you never call me, you know, that kind of thing, or um, I'll call, he'll only text or um, I'll I'll come meet him most of the time. He's not coming to meet me. Just feeling like either he's not committed or he's not interested um, or he's not just showing the same respect that either she is expecting or that she's giving. Okay, I've got to go to my producer real quick. Julia, there's a comment in the chat room by a man. What is the comment? I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman, but um, the user is the conversations. We just have some interesting commentary. Uh, this person says, and I have to go back to the first post. <laughs> it says, it kills me when females think they can hide the guy they are sleeping with while dating other men. We can smell it on you. That's in all caps. So I'm assuming it's a guy. <laughs> then I'm the going to tell him he needs some meds. I'm not not to say this, Julia I'm going to shut up and let you finish talking But, bro, if you can smell anything on a woman First, I wonder, what is it that you are smelling? And, bro, that's a sign of some serious, serious insecurities Because here's what's up If she is doing anything, what's done in the dark will come to the light But if she's not, do you know how stupid you look Sniffing somebody's drawers and skin and all that That's just weird uh, what other commentary was up there? I don't know if he meant literally smelling. I just think, you know, okay, never mind. But uh, <laughs> the other comment from the conversations, and thank you for listening to the show, by the way, and commenting in the chat room. The other comment says, women argue about the sexual double standard, but will fight to the death to keep the financial double standard intact. Mm. Wow. Whoa. Okay, Alexis, that's yours. What's your opinion of that? The financial double standard. Um, And actually, Julia, can you say, what was the first part again? The first comment or the first part of the second comment? The first part of the second comment. Uh, Women argue about the sexual double standard, but will fight to the death to keep the financial double standard intact. 
Yeah, so the financial double standard, are we saying in regards to, and you guys can help me out with this, are we saying in regards to women making more money or that the man should be covering covering us? And I guess that's what it is, that the man should be taking care of us, right? That's what I'm assuming. That's what that's what we're getting. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I'm a strong believer, and I don't think that, I, you know, I said before that I do think that, the man, when you have a husband, that he's the head of the household um, and that, you know, he should be laboring, but so should you. Um, I don't think that a man, I don't believe in shopping sprees and all that kind of stuff. I don't. I think that a woman should be making her own money as much as the man. If you want something a little extra that you really, really want, you know, and, and, and for whatever reason, you know, he has the budget and he can't get it, then you're responsible for getting that extra thing for yourself. You know, go out and get you an extra job or whatever you need to do, but I think it's really unfair to put uh, all the financial responsibility in a relationship when it, like Jane said before, it should be a partnership. You know, it should be equal. You should be supporting one another. Um, so um, what they said before, I mean, I mean, what that person said is a very true statement that we do put double standards in terms of financial demand should be taking care of me. He should be getting this. Um, I'm going to tell you, when I was dating uh, my fiancé, he did not, I mean, now he, you know, he did the rose petals and send me flowers and all that kind of stuff. But in the past, he had spent all this money on women and all that kind of stuff, only to find out that that wasn't the woman for him. And he said that, and he told God, he said, I'm not going to do that this time with this woman. If she's for me, she's going to love me for me and me alone. Mm-hmm. There was one time There was one time when he, we were dating that he lost his job com- completely. He was living in his church. Hear what I say. had a mattress in the church because basically he had given everything up, you know, to build this church up. He didn't have any anything, and I was right there by his side. I wasn't like, ooh, you can't buy me this. You can't pay for this. I'm just going to, you know, just basically not be in this relationship anymore because, again, I would have missed out on a huge blessing. You see what I'm saying? So I think that, you know, when a woman comes into the relationship, she needs to be established herself. Um, You guys need to be on equal playing fields. And, you know, again, if he's making more money than you, great. If she's making more money, great. But, you know, I, I don't believe in that. I, re- I really think that everybody should be coming, you know, with, with the same, um, come in as a partnership and, and not putting it all on the man. Well, I can tell you this. I have a man's opinion, and we're, uh, I think Reese just called in. So, Reese, if you're on the line, how you doing tonight, bro? What's up? What's up? got to ask you a question. What do you think about the successful woman? Do you think uh, if uh, they're being too high maintenance, do you think they're being too picky? Do you think they're, uh, they've just kind of had a role reversal where now the stuff that brothers were doing back in the day, women are flipping the script and doing that. Now, what is your opinion about this? Uh, I mean, I think being a successful woman, you know, is a beautiful thing. But I do think it, it causes uh, friction between men and women because women have, have, to me, have seemed to have lost, especially black women, have seemed to have lost respect for the black man. Because of their because of their societal empowerment. What do you okay? Let me let me ask you the reason so I can narrow that down. Um, when you say they've lost respect for the black man, do you mean that because they're uh, making good uh, a nice chunk of change and because they've got their stuff together, now they're looking down on brothers that are still trying to climb up, or do you think that it's a situation where it's easier? for a black woman to make it in the business world because they're not as threatened as a black man to their, and I don't want to say Anglo counterpart, but just to corporate America in general. Uh, Well, I definitely think that that the black woman over the past, you know, three or four decades has been allowed more opportunities to, to progress than black men in, like, say, corporate America. Um, I mean, that's that's part of the reason. I mean, another part of the reason is, you know, black men have kind of fell into this into this trap that pretty much, the way I feel, women have seemed to set up. You know, and, and what I mean by that is, when women are young, you know, it's like, what a woman looks for in a man when she's young changes as she ages and matures. But... What tends to happen is the young black men 
they get caught up in what they like, what women like when they're young. They kind of get caught into this life where they can't really progress out of it. You know, they get locked up or whatever. So what you what it sounds like you're saying to me, Reese, is that uh, women are cool with it as long as it's benefiting them, but the minute that they have an opportunity to get something that's more conducive to what they really want, they cut the step up guy loose. And but but I really don't see, and I know this is gonna sound crazy, I don't see anything wrong with that, and I'm gonna tell you why. My I have three daughters, and all of my daughters are young women. I do not want my daughter dating some idiot that I'm going to have to shoot later. Nor do I want my daughter getting some dude that I need to send him and her rent money. In my opinion, I think, and, and I'm saying this for men too, so what's good for the goose is good for the gander, but I think all of us, as we uh, start to know better, we should do better. I'm going to ask you this question. Reese, what is it that you think that would kind of balance this playing field and make it more fair for just men in general, be they black, white, or purple? Um, uh, I mean, to me, I mean, the only thing you could do is do what you're supposed to do, you know, I mean, get a good and job. That is? Be, I mean, you know, try and get a good job or get an education or just try to progress your life in, in some type of way. So then, you you will at least be on an even playing field with the ladies, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, women graduate college more than black mm -hmm. men and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So, so the best thing men can do is put themselves in the best position that they possibly can. I mean, and and women the same. You know, what I'm saying, I, me, I'm I'm a, an advocate of just be the best person that you can be. And you will eventually find someone that's that's right for you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, hey, Reese, I appreciate your caller, Aaron. What do you have to say to that? I think that I don't know about us having an advantage in corporate America so much as I mean we have the same opportunities. You know, we just women mature faster, right? And that's just studied. We just work at it, and we don't make excuses, and we do what we have to do. And I think that's kind of at the heart of all of this is in struggling and in working hard for everything that we've had to get, we do start to kind of have this air of, I did it, you should do it too. And if I can make it, then you should make it too. And I'm not willing to, you know, dumb it down and not saying that we can't be more patient, not saying i got to make the same as you make or else. It's not like that, but at the same time, I mean, I educated myself, I went to school, I studied, I did the, you know, staying up late and finals and all that. I had to work hard at my job. I've had to work hard to climb up in my job. So I have that same expectation for you. Wow. Okay, well, I tell you what, we're coming to the end of the show. I want to give everybody about a minute and a half of peace to tell people where they can find you, how they can uh, join your groups, where they can buy your books, or where they can get in contact with you for your services or what have you. So I'd like to start with Jane. Thank, Jane, thanks tonight for being part of our show. And I would like for you to tell us where can we get uh, in contact with you and buy your books and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, re if someone's in that area and needs to actually come and uh, pull up a chair next to your desk and get some counsel, how can they reach you, dear? Sure. Well, our website is singlemothersbychoice.org. We're a nonprofit organization. You can buy the book on there. You can join the organization, or you can send me an email via the website. So any of those um, things can be done on our website. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Jane. And what about you, Alexis? Yes, absolutely. Um, your listeners can contact me at www.alexiswyjones.com. My book is also available online at the website and as well as on Amazon.com. Uh, feel free to tweet me at Alexis, A-L-E-X-I-S underscore fly. Um, I would love to chat more about um, this discussion, and that is pretty much it. Okay, and what about you, Aaron? Uh, the group Miss Independent is on meetup.com. You can either go to meetup.com, search Miss Independent, 
or uh, meetup.com slash Miss Independent and click join the group open to ladies 21 through 45, moms, singles, whatever. Um, and then we're also on Facebook under ms.independent. Dang, Erin, I knew a chick that was 46. She can't join your doggone group. <laughs> she could join. It's just it's a nice little range, but it, it's not like if you, you know, if it's your birthday, we kick you out or anything. Okay, okay, cool. Well, I want to thank you ladies for being on the show. Here's the final word on this. There is no such thing as inequality when it comes to getting played or getting your feelings hurt. But the beauty of that same statement is there is no inequality to real love finding you, but you've got to position yourself to do so. So before you start looking at what you want in someone else, stop and take an inventory of what's there within yourself. If there is something about you that you need to, uh, you know, check at the door, go ahead and check it because that which you seek is equally seeking you. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and we will see you Wednesday at 12 noon. Have an awesome week. God bless you, and if nobody else can love you, you can love you. Have a great week. Bye now.